never weaponize mm. your success. Sure. So you don't use the success that you have um, as an individual, as a business, um, to hurt other people. Mm. Hello, Wisdom and Wellness family. Welcome to another episode of Wisdom and Wellness. Thank you for joining us. Um, today's guest, we have been chatting away. I already have solved all the problems to my business. So I already know that this conversation is going to be beneficial to so many. And today we are sitting with a fave of mine. I've been trying to get her, but I believe timing is everything. We have Liz Litualo, founder of Masodi Organics. Welcome, Liz. Hi! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you finally came. I mean, we spoke last year around October. October. Yeah, yeah. September, October. Yeah. yeah, and before that, before we even met, we started speaking during yeah. mid COVID. Mid COVID. Mid COVID. When you were peak Anino. When I was peak, yeah, yeah. when I was peak Anino <laughs> and I was starting, I was getting into the body patterns yeah. and you were my go to girl and we, had, we hadn't even met. Yeah, your heart is pure, girl. Oh. Your heart is pure. I've got some <laughs> icebreaker questions for you. Okay. Number one, would you rather always speak your mind or never speak again? Sure. <laughs> I always speak my mind. Always speak. But do you know what it means, though, to always speak your mind? You get cancelled. Yeah. 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 So you'd rather always speak your mind? I, I, I cannot imagine just keeping quiet forever. Okay. Speak your mind. Yeah. Second question, favorite beauty hack? Hmm. And it can't be a hair one. Um, body scrubs, guys. Okay, tell me why. Because so many of us like have all of this build up and whatever, like just rejuvenating. Your, ah, guys. <laughs> and even if it's not body scrub, just exfoliating. Yeah. Is, is my favorite beauty hack. How often should we exfoliate? Once a week is enough. Really? Yeah, don't over exfoliate. Okay. I think, I, I, here's the thing, is I'm a beauty and wellness founder, but I'm also not too hectic. Yeah, on everything And I, and I don't want to sell a life. So listen, once a week is enough. You'll be good. Okay, yeah. okay. So here's a beauty hack, guys. Get your exfoliation. Vaslap. Vaslap, ne? But also, wait, is there a difference between using a scrub and actually just using a loofah? There is, because there's different textures, right? There's a different okay. texture you get from using your plain hands. There's a texture you get from a loofah because yeah. it's soft. Yeah. And then there's um, that orange that actual, that yeah, orange yeah, sack. The, okay, the orange sack. The original, <laughs> the macaw. It's, it's good. <laughs> just, 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 don't be, just don't be too rough like, with you're it. Just but also off for, your, for your feet, also it's really good. So yeah. it depends on the body parts. It depends on, you know, how, how sort of like hardened yeah. your build-up is and whatever it is. But um, And then you have your body scrubs, the product stuff. Yeah. So just choose one. Make sure you use it well. Don't overdo it. I feel like you still use Elite. You know, Elite. Yeah, 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 for the feet. It's <laughs> so good. I, I have the new, the ones that you oh, buy the now. No, those yeah. don't work. You need like the original, original. <laughs> okay, our last question. Would you rather go into the past and meet your ancestors or the future and meet your great-grandchildren? Ooh. I think I'm going to do... I'm going to be selfish with this one and say go into the past. Okay. I'm so curious about how all of this came to be okay. and how all of this came to be. And yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with the past. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. What questions would you ask? Um, I would want to know about people's experiences. Okay. You know, how, how did you grow up? How yeah. was it? What yeah. did you eat? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what consumed you? Um, what did you think about a lot of the times? What mattered to you? Mm -hmm. What kind of conflicts did you have? What made you joyful? Yeah. yeah. I just want to know about people's day-to-day -day simple 
life experiences. Yeah, I actually believe in that. I love finding out about people's different experiences. Cause I feel I feel like it shapes it shapes it shapes a person and it gives so much it allows you to have empathy as a person and yeah and it allows you to just go into another person's world and understand them but as we get into our conversation i was thinking i was reading a book and i was just writing down my my intentions right and i thought about it what is my i thought what is my intention for my podcast um after every episode after every conversation like what am i hoping to put out there what am i hoping to achieve and my answer was i want to awaken mm-hmm something in someone else be it a dream be it um a health journey be it starting that business and so with every guest i'm selective knowing that there's something that they've awakened in me so when i first heard you speak i heard your story and i was just like let's go i need to get her on my chair so let's get right into it how did you get to masodi organics Sure. I think, um, you know, I can never talk about the story of Masuri Organics without talking about the story of Good Hair. I don't know okay. if you know Good Hair. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Good, good Hair. Hair. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Good Hair was a mobile salon that I started with two of my best friends, Ija Ogwang, who's now a best-selling author. I'm so yeah. proud of her. And um, Sandesi Woyengeni, who's now doing a PhD in some development finance um, stuff that I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like, yeah, go. Go, you go. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, we started this out of um, that business out of frustration, right? Yeah. Um, from just being black women, you sort of like have to sneak out of the office just to get your hair braided and yeah. you have to lie about being sick or whatever the case may yeah. be. And from that, I think that's when my shell for um, starting a business was cracked. Mm. After that um, moment or after that initiative, I was never scared mm. of um, doing something new. I was mm. never scared of producing a piece of work and putting it out there and have it, and have it um, accepted or rejected. Yeah. Um, and that's simply how Masuri Organic started. Um, and, you know, when that business didn't work out, I was sort of like in the beauty space at the time. And I thought, hmm, it might be interesting to create um, what I felt at the time was sort of like a an ecosystem that mm. could enable um, Mm. beauty and wellness at a different level. Mm. And that would have been sort of like a combination of product, a combination of service, a combination of a few other things I can't mention yet because we're still (laughs) working on it. Right. Um, And, you know, the product one was the easiest to Mm. start, especially coming out of a service business and seeing how incredibly hard that was. Services are hard. It was so hard. So I thought products you can control. Yeah, I can say, yeah. you know, I'm going to make a hundred body butters, put them out there, put them on the online store and sort of like just keep selling and keep selling. Mm. So um, it was an easier place for me to start. And once I started, I said, you know, I started it the same way. One starts a cup of tea. Yeah. I was just sitting and I thought, that's it. I'm going for let's, it. Let's do this. Right. Yeah. And I did it. You know, how I did it was I started an Instagram page and I announced to people, I'm yeah. going to be doing this thing. So please follow this page. So there's no product yet. There's nothing yet. There's just a uh, by the way, this is what I'm doing and you're There's, hoping it's going to work out. There was an Instagram page and a Facebook page and a Twitter page before and no anything. Product. Yeah. And after that, I went to the CIPC website. I registered yeah. um, the business. And then after that, I sort of like just jumped into research, mm. YouTube videos, um, you know, a lot of um, formal written papers, yeah. um, a lot of just Googling and finding whatever piece of documentation you could find. Um, and at the time, because I wasn't a formulator, this is why I decided to go the organic route. Mm. This is where the name Masuri Organics mm. comes from. It was initially mm. Masuri Organic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized down the line, I actually did not want to make organic products, but the organic was the easiest, easiest one at the time. Take, yeah. yeah, because all I had to do was to mix pure oils and 
pure butters and sort of like just and whip them up. It, yeah. Sort of didn't have to preserve and you could get away with that. But that was incredibly limiting. Yeah. But in essence, that's how Masudi Organic started. And a couple of months down the line, product was out there, looked shady as hell. <laughs> There's a quote that says, if your first product is not shady and bad, you started too late. So... Yeah, Shady's good. Yeah. <laughs> so first product, Shady's good. And now tell me a little bit about your upbringing. I know Masodi is actually named after your mother, uh, meaning there's there's obviously a huge connection, respect, reverence for for your mom to even name your business and your legacy after her. Are you getting emotional? <laughs> tell Are me you about talking your about mom. my mother. Yeah. Ah, um, <sighs> what a human. Yeah. What a human. Um. Sure. My mom is my mom is one of those people who are you know when they say a trailblazer. Mm. My mother is a trailblazer. Mm. Um but one of the things that I respect so much about my mother is how deeply she loves people. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That yeah. woman loves, and when I say loves people, sometimes to a fault. Sometimes yeah. I'll call in, I'll, I'll, I'll tell her, I'll be like, no, you can't let people victimize you yeah. to this level in yeah. the name of love. That is that is victimization. It's mm. not love, you know. But she, she loves people, and she has this ability to connect with different people. My mother plays with ch- with children. She's in the early childhood development mm. space, so she will be playing around with children at her age. Six, she's sixty six now. Sure. Um, she will, you know, sing songs with drunk men. Really, right? She goes to church religiously. She will just, you know, be there in the church with the church women and the, ch- you know, she is able to blend with everyone because I think she has the. The superpower of really seeing everyone and really loving I everyone love and really respecting mm. everyone. And I think I respect her so much for that. And I think my mother, um, she doesn't speak about this a lot, but she's incredibly accomplished. When I was eight or nine, she 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 had at the time five children and a grand a grand grandchild. When you were nine? When when I was, yeah, eight yeah, or nine. Five yeah. children and a grandchild. Yeah. And she got a scholarship to relocate to the UK sure. for this early childhood development um, sort of like course that she had to do. Yeah. And with five children and a grandchild and a husband, my mother said yes. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> and all of us were so proud. Sure. Um, you know, my father always worked away from home. At the time, he worked in Bologwani, um, and he would come home on Fridays. Yeah. And what then happened was you saw also the beauty of this man I get yeah. to call my dad. Yeah. He then um, moved back home full time and would drive every single day an hour and a half to work oh and then drive back because then the mother wasn't there. At least there has to be one parent in the household. Sure. And, you know, when I talk about... My mother, there's an element of me that speaks about the warmth, the love um, that I know. Mm-hmm. But there's also an element of me that talks about the powerhouse yeah. um, that she is and that she doesn't get to speak about yeah. herself. Yeah. And I'm like, don't worry, mommy, I'm here. I'll brag for you. I'll talk about I'll you. I'll for you. Yeah. yeah. So how was that now living in a household where your how, how has it shaped you as a human being going from having your mom and having a warm household and your dad only coming on friday to now a shift where mom is gone i'm nine ten years old and now it's dad like what have been the the good side of that and the bad side of that so at the time cell phones were not um a thing, a thing. <laughs> yeah. i don't remember talking 
a lot or at all with my mother on the phone. She used to write us postcards. <laughs> but 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 <laughs> you'd get exposing one, your, you'd get one, one postcard <laughs> once in like two months or three yeah. months or something, right? Um, but the house was so warm. So dad, sure. and this is how I saw the difference between my mom and my dad. Dad is a party guy. Okay. We ate nice. We ate nice. Like my mom came back, and the project in the house were not going, yeah. but the kids were there's, happy. There's KFC. There's pizza. We there's everything. We had nice food every day. Yeah. We, you know, we were dressed nice. So yeah. th- 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 there was. I, I don't remember feeling entirely sad, but there okay. were times where this one particular time where I remember the postcard that she had sent was on the side of the bed. Mm. There's times where I would look at it and I would cry mm. because um, it had a. <laughs> It was shaped, I think, after London or after a building mm. in London. Yeah. And it had a woman who was wearing a cap. I think it must have been a postcard she sent for one of my sister's birthdays. And every time I saw her, well, not every time, every time I saw it, I would just think of her. But from time to time, I would look at it and get a little sad because yeah. I'm a child and yeah, I miss my and you mom. Miss your mom. But most of the times, I would just tell my friends, my mom is my in, London. in London. Yeah. <laughs> I would yeah. say my mom is in London yeah. and you know and she was gone only for six months so when she came back it was a huge party mm. you know we had a party for her it was like she came with so many clothes yeah. she came with so many things and she also came a transformed mom sure and I also get got to benefit from that yeah yeah you know what's crazy is that you speak about your mom as this loving person who sees people I wonder if you know that about yourself because as I said and I listened to you to have that much grace for a parent where being left for six months, I can't imagine it being easy. You see a child blazer, you see a strong woman, you see the good parts and you don't even see that, oh no, maybe I was left alone. But that is such a selfless, like that's such a beautiful trait to have that I think you actually got from your mom. Oh, uh, I would be glad to accept. <laughs> I'd be glad to accept that. I genuinely um, feel it. Yeah. Yeah, and I also think, honestly speaking, credit to my dad. Yeah. Um, you know, he really, he he, and I think that's when my dad and I. So I used to be scared of my dad growing up. Yeah. Um, he wouldn't. He wouldn't beat you much or whatever. But he had the look. Yeah, I think most of us, like times have changed now, but right. most of us, we grow up, we grew up with that thing like dad yeah. has authority yeah. and you go to him when it's important yeah. and, and yeah. And if dad says don't do this, you, you don't, don't do it. it. Like you won't and you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, our, our, our bond got, you know, better and yeah. closer and we ended up actually becoming friends. By high school level, my dad, I was closer to my dad than I was to my mom. Yeah. I was in a boarding school and um, every month they had to sort of like buy groceries and snacks to bring to me. Every single time, it was my father who would do that. Yeah. If you probably ask my mom, what did Liz eat in high school? She'd probably be like, ah, chicken chicken and whatever. And it's like, no, my dad will tell you, she ate noodles, this flavor, she hated this. You know, so I think that also brought with it a beautiful gift of just a father-daughter relationship that was stronger, that was more beautiful. And that sort of like carried me into my adulthood. Yeah. How was, how did boarding school shape you? What lessons did you get from boarding school? I think um, boarding school gave me the... um, confidence that I can navigate the world and its Mm. complexities. I mean, I went to boarding school when I was 11, right? And I sort of like sometimes joke and say my friends and I raised raised each other. other. Literally. And, um, you know, I don't remember doing anything cray-cray or getting out of line. And you got to see a different, like different types of personalities and different types of teenage experiences. But mine was sort of like, you know, I just wanted to participate. I wanted to do debate. I wanted to do whatever sports I could sort of like do. I wanted to do that. Um, I wanted to enjoy friendships and mm. so on. And I think it gives you the the, the trust in yourself that whatever jungle yeah. you can throw me in, 
Um, I might struggle. I might yeah. struggle at first, but yeah. ultimately, I'll find my feet and I'll survive. Sure. I spoke to my mom about boarding school because she went to boarding school. I think she was she was way younger than you, though. Um, yeah, I think around seven, just with primary. Yeah, and she her her her. I think explanation of boarding school is quite different. I mean, as much as, like you said, you learn to survive, but I feel like she also, for her, it, she missed home. She missed oh. that home element and of spending oh. time with her with, with her parents. So it's kind of a debate with us as well, with our kids. What's okay. The best school we want to send our kids is, is in KZN, but what do we do? How do we navigate that boarding school? So it's always interesting to hear yeah. how another person experienced it. I think it. From, from a parent experience, this is what my mother said when I was in matric. She said, hmm. If I had another child, I wouldn't send them to a boarding school. Really? I guess I didn't turn out that well. (laughs) I don't even think I don't even think it's about you not turning out well. But I think it's 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 a relationship thing. Yeah, and and that, that time in school, like I think of that time during my high school, I. I, I, I didn't like my mom. Like, you know, you go, it's an adolescent mm, stage. Like, I was like, like this mm. woman. But I needed her. I needed her. And I think she needed me as yeah, well. Yeah. So I think maybe that could be the angle your mom is coming yeah. from. That I recognize that that's a time in your life where we needed each other. We yeah. needed each other. And for her, it was also from a place of discipline. So uh, I went to one of those boarding schools where we had... A lot more autonomy, I think, than mm, most boarding schools. Most boarding schools, okay. So, you know, I and, and we had terrible habits, like just spending the whole day in your pyjamas, for example. Oh, it's a boarding school okay. thing. Right? Okay, it's like, I get her. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like you don't have chores. So at the time, then I took the boarding life and I brought took it back it home. home. So it's Saturday, it's 1 p.m. Yo, and you lounging. Is in, is, in, is in pyjamas. <laughs> in pyjamas. And my mom, and you know, maybe you, 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 the chore life. You're yeah. like, I wake up there. The only chore I have to do is make, sort of like make my bed. Um, other yeah. than that, no it. one's going to tell me what to do. Yeah. So I guess from that perspective, she was also like, sure. Michael. Uh-uh. <laughs> get, get it together. <laughs> but you turned out fine. So now I want to talk about getting into your first um, career. Yeah. Um, especially because you've shifted now and you in entrepreneurship. When you got into your, tell me about that phase of going from from school to choosing your first career is that where you thought you were going to end up what made you realize mm, actually i'm not supposed to be here yeah that was crazy cuz um the boarding school i went to was an agricultural school mm. in limpopo somewhere in the jungle yeah and you only had two choices from a subject perspective you could either do agricultural sciences or you could do physical sciences. Mm. And as someone who grew up um, a smart kid, um, a lot of people used to say, oh, we're not included at physics. Mm. It's, it's, it was yeah, it's like, quite yeah, a like thing. chosen, yeah. Right. And um, I don't have a problem with the narrow down choices because I already knew that I wanted to be in the sciences. Um, but what usually then happened is you would get... Um, very limited, um, you know, institutions come and market yes. their further education yes. studies to us. And it would mostly be, uh, you know, University of Pretoria, yeah. Ritz University and a couple of others. But all of them would preach engineering, yeah. engineering, engineering. Engineering, Account- accounting, medicine. That's right. It. Yeah. But with us, there wasn't even accounting or medicine. Really? It was literally just engineering or um or agricultural studies yeah. for those who are doing agricultural studies. But that's it. Sure. If you look at my class composition, probably for my matricule, um, 
I wouldn't be shocked if more than 90% went on to do engineering, at least in the That's first year. That's not a bad thing. Exactly. But then I'm glad <laughs> to see that a couple of other people then in second year, once we were exposed, yes, sort of like chose differently. Yeah. So I then went in and did industrial engineering, um, which, um, you know, I, I did think I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but retrospectively, if I was to go back, I would do something different. Mm-hmm. I think I would do something like law or something in the social sciences. That's where truly my heart is. And um, after that, naturally, then because of the journey you've um, sort of like followed already, I went to do my first job at Unilever, which was one of the most beautiful organizations I could have worked for at the time. Um, You know, I did some supply chain work, I did some procurement work Mm. and whatever it was. And and that for me was the university. That was the true university where I learned what um, an organization is structured like. And I think they did an incredible job of exposing their graduates to the full organization. I knew you know, what marketing guys did. You understand the whole organization. I understood yeah. the full picture. Um, and even when I was doing my job here, I felt that I knew, had an idea of what someone else was doing in their job. So that was incredible. And yeah. I think from that, you were able to start mapping out your life and saying, where am I going? Yeah. But even at the time, from a personal fulfillment perspective, I didn't feel like there was something mm. there. It was like, mm, I don't think I should be doing mm. this. I think this should be something else that I mm. should be doing. And within two years, then I had left and gone into another organization, a consulting organization, spent 10 months there. And one of the things that I've started seeing as a trend um, was whenever the bug got more and more irritating, um, I would quit and move to the next organization, just sort of like refresh. By the time I got to the third organization, um, I sort of like said, Liz, this is the time. And I remember Mm. I was talking to, you know, one of the guys in the organization that I trusted. And I said, you know, I think I want to quit my job. And he said, "Um, take time, go home, um, take leave for a month and then come back. If you feel like it, when you come back, um, you can quit. I came back. I, I took the time off. I went back. What did you do during the leave? Um, sure. I watched a lot of Survivor. <laughs> I love Jeff Cobes. Yeah. I could. I watched a lot of Survivor. I watched, um, you know, my favorite animes like The Lion King. Yeah. I watched Dragon Ball Z. I read Dragon Ball Z. DBZ. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just read and I just sat there and sort of like, you know, sometimes I would stress a lot. What mm-hmm. am I going to do? Mm. But by the time I went back into the office the first day, you know, when you're like. Like I'm not. Yeah, I don't belong here. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, You know, and I remember telling him, "Listen, I've decided I'm leaving." And um, he said, "Listen, I think I I have an uh, an alternative job for you Mm. that maybe you can take." And I said, "No, no, no. I want to put myself in a position where I have nothing to lose. Something in me says I need to be in a position where I have nothing to lose." Um, in order for me to do the next big thing. Sure. And he said to me, "Oh, you have everything to lose, my dear." And um, I knew where he was coming from. Mm. And I knew that it was coming from a place that cared. Um, but I thought to myself at the time, nah, it's okay, let me do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I always say, um, and, and I think it's important to say, because I've gotten quite a few messages from um, university students with, you know, what's happening with the delays and responses from universities. And everybody's mm. panicking that I need to go to varsity. They're not responding. And... University is very important. Education is extremely important. But I do think that the real university, like you said, is within those workspaces. And so even as a student, I think one of my greatest blessings as a student myself, while studying, I was taking jobs, different jobs where you get, that's where you learn who you are. Like the guy you trusted even said, take some time off, because that's the only way you'll know what is for you and what's not for you if you actually put yourself out there and try out different things. Yeah, yeah. And you get to see... 
you get to see um, or to experience what I call the sweet spot. Yeah. Very earlier on. And, it, and, and, and once you experience that, you never forget the feeling. And what I describe the sweet spot um, for myself is, you know, is that intersection of the three things. For me, it's one, those few moments of excellence mm. where you know. You know, you're, when you're in your mojo today and you're like, no, I'm excellent. Yeah. I'm there. I'm doing it. And it's nice, right? <laughs> yeah. So one, and then two, where you are pouring that excellence into something you genuinely, genuinely believe in. Mm. Something that you know moves you. Something mm. that you know when you wake up at night, you, you care about the cause. And lastly, I think when you can do the one and the two with a profound sense of peace and self-acceptance. Sure. When you have those three things, especially at the student level, yeah. there's very few people who can entice you with um, titles, who can entice you with experiences and promise you travel and promise you this, if you know what that sweet spot is. Mm. And just like yourself, I've taken jobs from the first year of my varsity mm. all the way through. Yeah. Um, you know, from working with my mother at her NGO, all sorts of jobs. to teaching in the nearing mm. school, to working for mining companies as an intern, whatever it was. I've done it all. Mm. And through those moments, I got to either experience parts of that mm -hmm. and other times I've gotten to see the dark side yes. of not having that. And yeah. I was like, mm. You get to know who you're not. Exactly. By doing, you get to know exactly who you're not. That sweet spot you spoke about, I like that, what you touched and how you described it. Maya Angelou says, it, she calls it, she says, success is liking what you're doing liking how you're doing and I think liking who you yeah. are yeah while doing it I love and Maya after after I think after reading that I was in we were in Washington and we went to the museum and I was just reading about it after that I had to sit and like okay one do I like who I am do I like what I'm doing and do I like how I'm doing it? And it speaks to that piece you're speaking about, like those two important parts when they come together, it needs to be, it needs to be, it's like a golden thread and comes together as peace. Now tell me, how did you, how did you find that, that sweet spot? And I know you kind of just explained it and I'm calling it a sweet spot, but people always ask and refer to it as, how do I find my purpose? Yeah. How do I, what is my passion? Because yeah. we all like saying, follow your passion, yeah. follow your purpose. But how did you specifically find that thing that brings you peace, that, that allows you to, to, to show up in excellence? Yeah, I think for me, it starts with really knowing what gets to me. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it, it almost feels counterintuitive the way I'm going to answer it. It's, um, you know, what makes me angriest the most mm. in the world? Mm. That is how I know something is my purpose. Mm. When I see this thing, mm. what is the one thing that, go, that gets me to go, oh no, right? And that for me is seeing suffering in yeah. people, um, especially at the hands of, you know, other people who are either more powerful or either more um, popular or where they just have an upper hand and they use it, yeah. you know, to oppress or to hurt or to, um, you know, to minimize other people's living experiences. And from that comes a lot of the things that I desire to do in life, you know, be it um, going into public service one day, mm. which is something I'm working on, be it building a business and making sure that um, the people it serves and, mm. and, 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 and the employment and practices that I follow are actually attuned to that sort of like mm. sense of purpose. But also what it does for me or what um, that knowledge of really what makes me angry does for me is it helps me be clear about how I can live out my purpose in different spaces. 
many people I find want to find a purpose in a journey. Yeah. And I find a purpose in everything, even in some of yeah. the previous jobs I've held. Yeah. You know, when you feel like your back's against the wall and you're like, sure, I know this is not it. Yeah. But is there a way yeah. that I can just try to bring in a bit of Liz yeah. into the space? Yeah. And I think, you know, oftentimes I say to my colleagues, um, Masuri Organics is not my only purpose. Mm. It's not the only thing that makes me... It, it, it's a part of it's my purpose. Of, yeah. It is not, it's not my every, yeah. One day I'm going to pack up and leave you guys <laughs> yeah. to this organization. Yeah. Um, you know, And for me, it's precisely that. In Masuri Organics, I will find a way yeah. to materialize or yeah. to live out my purpose. Wherever I go, I will find it. Yeah. And I think, again, my purpose is just looking at the world and saying, you know, what is the thing that makes me you. just angry the most um that i really want to solve and i think it's just seeing people not living um a dignified life seeing people not living um not having a wonderful life experience mm. and seeing people not having an opportunity to succeed or fail on their own terms what i call it is how can i serve right yeah i always think that's my starting point and i think right. that should be a starting point for so many people as soon as you find yourself asking Am I making impact? Because at the end of the day, money, titles, all of those things cannot bring you that peace and that source, that fulfillment, right? There's a fulfillment we're all looking for every single day. And I think in order to 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 work with it, I always start with how can I serve? And wherever you start serving, I think then elements of what excites you, of, of how you can serve other people. Because I believe when God puts a gift in each and one of us, the gift is not to serve yourself. God will never give you a gift or an opportunity that is self-serving. It's always about other people. And that's why the first start is, how can I serve? And then in that, somehow we navigate and you end up finding, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. And like yeah. you said about Masodi, it's not the only thing that you, you should be doing. It's not the only need that you should be serving. Yeah. But it's only through self-awareness and opening ourselves that we can actually find that. And, you know, when you talk about how can I serve and um, how our work is, I guess, um, a part of our servitude, it reminds yeah. me of something that my mother has always um, sort of like told me, which every time I think of my work in service, um, it, it, it just always reminds me of that. And she says, never weaponize mm. your success. Sure. So you don't use the success that you have um, as an individual, as a business, um, to hurt other people. Mm. And this is how then you realize that if truly my work is of service, mm. it cannot be a spear yeah. that I go wielding around. Yeah. Can I be proud of yeah. my work? Absolutely. Yeah. Can I speak honestly about my success? Absolutely. Yeah. But, I, but, but it's not a spear. Yeah. It's service. Yeah. So I have to be careful about how I wield it around. I have to be careful about how I speak about it. Yeah. I have to be careful about, you know, how I flash it to yeah. people or how I showcase Show it, it yeah. to the world yeah. in a way that is na nourishing, in a way that is encouraging and in a way that is um, truly, truly, truly not meant to cause any hurt to anyone. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right in that. Now, going from that place of when you're about to leave now your third job, right? Is that, which part of your life was that? Is that when you were going into good hair or when you're exactly going to Masoru or when you're still dabbling in a whole bunch of things trying to find your path? In my first job, I remember within a couple of weeks, my two friends, Ijao Gwang and um, Gugu Nogaya. Is this were, Unilever? Unilever. Yes. We were already talking about starting an energy business okay. that no one knew about. Yeah. These were strangers I just met probably 
I don't know, eight weeks in. Yeah. And we used to meet up um, at a coffee shop and yeah. talk about starting an energy business because um, load shedding was, I think at the time, Hectic. sort of like, right. Yeah. That pff, didn't work because we didn't execute, but that was job one. Job two, which is consulting um, organization number one that I worked for, um, that's where Good Hair started. Mm. So um, Good Hair went on for about a year. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I was in the third consulting firm, that's where Masudi started. So ah, every organization, I was something t- brewing. <laughs> I was trying to, <laughs> something I was trying to hustle something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what did Good Hair actually? What did Good Hair teach you? What do you think was the lesson there? Um, yeah, what do you think was the lesson there? That she can work. Okay. That she can. You know, I think I knew that I had it in me to when I when I'm passionate to yeah. pour myself into something. Yeah. But you know, with Good Hair, um, I was responsible for meeting meeting new hairstylists, nail techs, mm. um, whoever they were. I would meet up with them on weekends. And, um, you know, I remember we used to go to Dopiozer in Santon City and would do trainings there. Sometimes, what? Right. <laughs> and sometimes I'd bring them to my house. I have pictures where I'd bring them to my house and I'd just buy pizza and cold drink and yeah. we'd do trainings there. Etiquette, you know, um, being on time and things like that and how some of the trends would watch YouTube videos mm. together on my TV. Um, you know, and when I saw how I was truly passionate and how I was galvanized to just always work on something. I thought, ah, I can, I can work. Mm-hmm. And that is the one important thing that I think I took out of good hair. I, I, I knew that I could work and yeah. I thought, oh, okay, okay, okay. We wherever, we, wherever we go, we can do this. Yeah, we can do yeah. this. Yeah. So Masori now starts, you've explained how you started it as like a making a cup of tea, right? Started making a cup of tea. How... Where do you not? Where do you find your? At which point did you sit and say, "I'm actually doing this. Yeah. This um, is actually working." <laughs> it shocks you, right? Um, I used to, I used to get into the office um, every day and get on Instagram and give people updates. Yeah, you know, I'd show them my hair. Um, sometimes I'd show them delivering products. I used to deliver the products on my way to work in the morning using my own car. Yeah, yeah. we had this little brown bags, and then I would deliver, and people, you know, would have paid online, and. Um, I remember one day when um, I was just getting orders on the online store, a lot mm. more than usual. And I thought, <laughs> people, people people, are actually buying yeah, products. They believe they've, me. Right. And when you see people start cheering you on, you're like, oh. And when you start people, when you see people and they ask you, how's your business? You're like, oh, my business. I got a business. I got a business. <laughs> right. And I, I, so I think it was the acceptance by people, sure. um, especially who are not my friends and who are not my family yeah. that validated me. Yeah. So I was like, okay, we've got a business now. Yeah. 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 Sure. That's incredible. You actually write it that like, I think as business owners in, in the beginning, we all you're taken by all the responsibilities and the doing and then you start realizing hi man hi man there's people who are not my family <laughs> who are actually really believing right. this thing yeah right. yeah and now as an entrepreneur have you been able to set to separate um yourself from your business or is it just Liz the entrepreneur yeah. all day every yeah. day I've, I've I've tried to um, so when I started I needed to Liz needed to be the face of Masuri Organics. Yeah. Uh, because I don't know if other people would have cared to listen to, um, you know, to buy Masuri products without knowing who Liz's story was. And somewhere in the middle, I thought, okay, fine, Masuri now is bigger than Liz. There's mm. people who know the business who don't know me, mm. which which for me is the greatest honor. That's the goal, yeah. Right. Um, and when I got there, though, it feels like from from time to time, something happens that reminds you, 
mm, it's not big enough mm. for you to sort of like let it go. It's not big enough. And, you know, one of the things I've realized is um, there's a, and I'll say unfortunate, there's an unfortunate burden mm-hmm. I will have to accept well into the future that I started Masuri Organics. Yeah. I don't know how possible it is for a founder yeah. to be fully dissociated with a business. Yeah. Um, CEO, maybe. Yeah. Um, especially the way I started this journey. I think it's something that I'm starting to just get into radical acceptance mode with yeah. regards to. Yeah. Uh, but I am doing my best to try and sort of like be in the background and have Masuri Organics, the kid, yeah. sort of like go out there and shine yeah, for itself. Play. Yeah, I believe in holistic wellness. Um, I think that's what the whole... Um, what wisdom and wellness is really about. How do you as an entrepreneur or just even as a human being make sure that you are well so that you can show up for everyone? And you could use, we have our five pillars as a guideline. How do you stay well emotionally? How do you stay well um, financially, physically, relationally with the people around you? Um, Yeah, how do you you stay well? What are some of the practices that you keep? I, my life, my personal life has not changed ever since, you know, starting my studio organics. Mm. Um, my best friends remain my best friends. Mm. Um, you know, my relationship with my partner has been the same since mm. I started to How have you managed, day. since you're there actually, how have you managed <laughs> to navigate relationships and friendships and you manage, you, you mentioned how you and your friends, I mean, you all started at Unilever doing yeah, yeah. something different. And now the one's a bestseller. And now yeah. you run a business. And yeah. now the one's doing a PhD. And dynamics have shifted. So yeah. how have you guys managed to, 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 to stay friends yeah. with all the changes that have happened? They are the most gracious people I know. Yeah. And I think when you have friends who also are fulfilled in their own lives, mm. there's very little to debate or to negotiate. Sure. Um, for example, um, you know, something had happened a couple of weeks back and um, my friends are not on social media. And um, Really? One of the, no, some, well, they might be on social, but they don't get they, That's not They're what not, they're doing. It, it, yeah. It's not what they, sometimes things could happen and it take them months. Okay. And, you know, and that is what also then keeps you protected, right? Because yes. it's like social media, is not a huge part of my life quite Mm. frankly when I go home my partner is not a big social media person when I'm in the villages with my sisters and my mom and my dad and my brother we we, you're connected you're connected I am truly so outside of Masuri Organics or whatever you see with Masuri Organics my life is pretty much the same I go and I nap on my best friend's couch and we look at the ceiling and the trees and we talk about our dreams like we were still back at Unilever Um, you know they come to my house and we do silly things and, and it's just so beautiful um, I have not felt like I've had to negotiate anything with them, sure. if anything. You know, from time to time, we'll get in a car and drive and go away. And wherever we are, it just feels like the same old kids mm. from eight years ago. Mm. And it's just the most beautiful thing. I think that's one of the things I'm grateful for. And I think once you've experienced friendship at that level, I have no hunger for more. Sure. I'm open to new friendships. Yeah. But, but you, but you're there's, content. But there's no, there's no active hunger. I'm yeah. like, I, I've got my people. Yeah. You know, I've got my people. Yeah, I love what you said that when you're with people who are who are fulfilled, like you don't have to explain. Like it just works. They know. I mean, you're a best-selling author. Yeah. Why, why are you worried about me not liking your tweet? <laughs> Right. You're best. You're best selling. Like, yeah, uh, but, 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 but also you are delighted for me. Yeah. As I am for you. Yeah. Like now, um, last week we I, I 
did a little gift thing. The two best friends, it's the three of us. Yeah. We went to um, Siwa's house because she's starting her PhD yeah. journey. We just went there and, you know, they had a little swimming lesson. I was there taking videos and pictures <laughs> of them, just cheering them on. You're just like, it's just, for them. I'm like, good for you. But yeah. it's like, we are all delighted for each other's sure. success and we're all just so happy to be part of it. And you know what's tricky? Sometimes one is doing well and one is going through it. Yeah. Right. But you don't ever feel the tension How of... How do you navigate that when one is thriving yeah. and the other one is, is like you said, going through The that. thriving one gets to be there for their struggling friend. Yeah. The friend in me kicks in. Yeah. I have to be there for yeah. you. The friend in them kicks in. I might be thriving and I'm doing well and I know Liz is happy for me, yeah. but I also need to be there for yeah. her when she's not doing well. And I think yeah. in my not feeling at my best, it doesn't take away from the fact that I can still celebrate you. Mm. It's, 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 it's just, it, it just feels intuitive to me. And sometimes maybe, you know, I'm not there as you would have hoped. The beauty of these kinds of friendships for me is that they have sacred trust. Mm. If, I, if I miss a beat, yeah. my friend trusts that it's, 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 it's not in bad yes. faith. They're like, I know Liz wouldn't do that yes. maliciously to hurt me. Yeah. But sometimes it's like, oh, my friend, I didn't see you at this place. What's going on? And then we have a conversation. I think sacred trust is so important because wherever people are coming from or whatever people are doing, um, you always know that they mean well. <coughs> Dando, and I think I've, I keep mentioning this because it's sat with me so much uh, when she was here and we're talking about friendship. And she said, well, you have to trust the reputation, reputation of your friends. Yeah. And, and, and I don't even think just friends, just people around you from family to partners, whoever you're surrounded with, you have to trust that because people will, you're going to miss a beat. We are going to miss a beat. We're not going to get it right. But there has to be that sacred trust you talk about that, you know what, more times than not, this person has showed up. And I think we have to live into that, in that space of appreciation. Yeah, because tomorrow you could miss a beat yourself. You, yeah, and it's you need also that the, grace. Yeah, the sense of self-righteousness sometimes mm. that I find shocking and as humans, yeah. where it's like, sure. It can never be me. Do you, do you not feel nervous yeah. that one day you just might make an error does, sure. it, does, does it not make you nervous yeah. no if me I it's like and I'm not saying error like oh you're gonna kill someone yeah. but it's like something like oh I'm sorry you were going through a thing and I didn't check in yeah. as quickly yeah. as you were hoping to yeah it's possible that someone could also have been going through um, a similar thing or sometimes quite frankly there's no reason yeah I just didn't think I needed to act that way at the yeah. time. And Oprah talks about this um, a lot. She says, the best way to actually be disappointed is to, you know, say, if that was me, is to think about a situation and say, how would I have reacted to that? Sure. You're not that person. You know, people sure. will react differently to different situations. And sometimes how you would react to things is not how your friends would yeah. react to things. And that's where conversations need to happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a grace. And a graceful and grace. people. More than anything, graceful yeah. people. And financially, wow, well, how are you handling your 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 finances uh, not only as a business person but as a as a as a woman in South Africa it's a it's the beginning of a year I know a lot of people have financial goals how do you make sure that you are financially healthy like what are some of your your financial habits yeah um the first thing honestly is I and I and I don't think it's a it's a habit necessarily I think it's just part of my personality yeah I I, I, I don't envy things very mm. easily especially I don't know there's something about just not I think it might actually lead back to my dad if we didn't have something and my mom if, yeah. you, if you can't get something it's like they explain to you why you can't get something mm. from from as young as like however young I was and you just understand yeah. oh there is no money and she will even we used to call my mom budget 
She used to have a budget her. paper on the side <laughs> of her drawer. Yeah. Um, and whenever you came in, she would pull out the budget and say, go call your... In fact, go call everyone. So, so because go because I'm, t- I'm tired of you guys. And she would... Show, and by the time she's finished, yeah. you're like, sure, I don't know how this woman this woman does it. I've known my mother's salary ever, ever, ever since I was a child. Sure. To this day, she's still very open. She'll tell you, I earn XXX and this is how I make use of it. And from that, I think, came my sense of just contentment. When yeah. I can't afford something, I, I will look away. Um, so I don't do a lot of, um, you know buying a lot of things that I can't afford. And of course, there's things that matter to me that I still want to indulge. Yeah. I want to do a spa from time to time yeah. just to refresh my body. Um, you know, there's things that I now am clear uh, are matter. Yeah. I don't, and, and, and I don't get strayed by, oh, there's a new trend or there's this thing that seems to be cool. So there are things that I know matter. I will spend on those. The stuff that doesn't matter, it's okay. And I think that also comes with just being um, sort of like, um, you know, someone who runs a business. Yeah. Um, because you then start to see the decisions you're making in your business because you're that material Particulars yeah. about finances in your business, then it sort of like seeps into your own life. Some of the things I've done this year, um, or the goals that I have, is make sure that you clear. I want to pay off my car. Yeah, it's a small car, so yeah. I've only had two cars um, in, in my entire life. The first one was when I was in varsity. Until and, and and when I started my job, I remember someone in the family was asking you, "Are you going to upgrade your car?" And it was paid off at the time. And I said, like, "No." Why? I'm like, it's "Why? I have car. a car and I love it. I called it Moses. Yeah, it's going to take me a places. Moses? We're going we're to part the sea with it. Yeah. We're going to go we're to doing Europe. Things. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and that car had to blow the engine. Um, before I could actually get another Moses the second. Oh, my. oh um, so your other car's called Moses the second. It's Moses the second, and Moses the second has been around for years now. Yeah, and we're almost done paying Moses yeah. off. What do I have to worry about? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, for me, it's just living within your means. And sometimes you understand, you know, when people are like, oh, your business is doing well, they expect to see something when you rock up. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't I'm live content. for that. But where do you draw the line between I'm content, yeah. um, I'm happy, and maybe I'm being a little stingy and not and I'm not re- reaching for more or yeah. I'm not even I'm not celebrating myself like yeah. where do you draw that line I don't to be honest I'm okay. not gonna lie to you I don't and this is why I struggle because sometimes um sometimes there's still a bit of a unhealthy habit yeah. of glorifying the suffering ah. where you feel like I'm suffering for a purpose look yes. at me I'm suffering more than yes. you right yes. there's still a bit of that that we need to deal with and I know that I have to work on that but sometimes it's also um, not necessarily contentment sometimes we give it the contentment label but it's actually concession okay <laughs> sometimes okay. you concede and you're yeah. like listen I would love to have a Bentley yeah. but I cannot afford it therefore yeah. let me just convince myself let me just enjoy it let me just concede and say Moses let's go my friend yeah. and of course when 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 you're honest about that you say you know the time will come yeah I, i'm happy with my moses right now but the time will come for something bigger and at other times truly 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 it is contentment yeah you strike me as someone who's very authentic and true to self how did you find your own authentic voice like the confidence to just like this is my path this is my story and i wear it with joy I have to credit my parents, um, and we talk about this with my sisters a lot. Um, they said, um, you know, whenever I was being, they, they would get beaten up by my parents mm-hmm. as a form of discipline, and I was the child who never got beaten up. The golden child. I was, they call me flower girl. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I was the child who never got beaten up. Um, and they say when I was apparently being naughty, mm-hmm. my mother would say, no, she's exploring. 
that was that was my journey. So yeah. I remember, you know, having the platform to speak my mind from a sure. very young age to my mom, to my dad. My dad, of course, you would trade carefully, but um, I've always had the you know the room, the space to speak my to mind and feel like my parents delighted in that. Sure, I could see them delight in just me, sort of like playing and me having. It did not feel like a burden to yeah. other people. In fact. Sure. It started feeling like a burden when I became older. Mm. Yeah, in the when you go into the world and it's Why? like, mm. um, I'm still trying to figure it out. But I also think, um, you know, sometimes authenticity, authenticity doesn't always thrive when there's no sacred trust again. Yes. Authenticity requires sacred trust and safety yeah. in order for it to thrive. Otherwise, it can be perceived as other things. Mm, yeah, mm, arrogant. Some people have mm, said, you know, come across as a bit arrogance or, you know, sometimes like, who do you think you but are? But I've actually found, found that um, authenticity is more, more contagious yeah. than comes off as anything else. I think that when it comes off as something else, I mean, Authenticity is not loud. It's not arrogance is loud. Authenticity is, I'm just me. I don't have to explain myself. I don't have to explain why I'm this. And this is just who I am. And I'm yeah. con- versus arrogance where you explain, oh no, I'm a confident person. Right. Blah blah blah. And so when you, whenever we are with other authentic people, I think then it thrives. It's contagious. Yeah. It's only when we're in spaces of insecurity. Um, where we feel now we have to now protect ourselves right. or, or hide ourselves. Right. And yeah. you will have a lot of that. This is one of the things I've learned. You will have, you know, a lot of um, a lot of spaces where you might feel like, am I too much? Yeah. You, might have, you might find yourself in being in a lot of spaces sure. where you ask, you know, um, am I giving other people enough room to mm. sort of like also, and I do that a lot, by the way, which is, which I'm starting to learn is not a good thing. Yeah. It's not my responsibility to, you know, to think about everyone else because you end up losing yourself you lose in the yourself. process. My responsibility is showing up as authentically as I can and also just rooting for other people and hoping that they can be the best they can. And, you know, um, the reason why I'm so for safe spaces and sacred spaces and tight-knitted spaces now is that only people who truly know you can give you that grace, right? When they see that, mm. they will say, ah, no, 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 that's Liz, just be yeah. Liz, you know. Um, and when they see you actually, again, go offbeat or go, um, you know, against the character of yours, they know they, they know they know you to be, they will call you out yeah. and say, Liz, this is out of character, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, sometimes when you are surrounded by people who truly don't know you or where there's no sacred trust, um, you miss out on a lot of honest feedback mm. from people People who truly know you to mm. say this, this is not this how we know you to it. be. Yeah. But also, you miss out on the joy of yeah. truly being yourself without being any accepted. penalties. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 director, the creator of Abbott Elementary, um, I forgot her name, but she was having a conversation with Oprah, and she was actually speaking about that. <sighs> Did you hear it? She was speaking of <sighs> her name is right here, but it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> and and she was just speaking about being in like you don't ever. And especially as women, you don't ever want to be in a space where you need to downplay yourself. And she spoke about it from a, I guess, in choosing partners where she had chosen a partner and he was in, on the come up and she was on the come up and then they went somewhere. 
And then he got upset that people were recognizing her yeah. and celebrating her. And she asked herself, imagine if I had stayed with that person, I wouldn't have gotten to a point where I leave my job and I eventually focus on creating um, yeah. this, 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 this series or this, this, this um, what do they call it, sitcom of mine, yeah. you know? And so that speaks to the power of, who we surround ourselves with and i like that you touch a lot about being in safe spaces because only then do you do you unleash man you get yeah. to be free yeah. in, in in letting those dreams yeah. come alive versus being in spaces where you need to downplay yourself you know where a lot of dreams die from fear mm. and when we don't feel safe we get into a space of fear and when you're in a space of fear you cannot be creative mm. you're always defensive you're always trying to prove a point. You're always trying to appease the masses. You're always trying to get buy-in from other people to say, do, do, do you approve of yeah, me? Yeah. Do you like this? Do you see this? Am I on the right track? Do you Is what I'm doing resonating with you? And of course, there's a part of that that exists in all of us. I'm Naturally. not saying, you know, we're not, we're, not, we're not looking for validation of some sort. But I think when you live a fearful life, you're always going to be looking around for people who are going to carry you forward. And let me tell you, some of the greatest things in the world, mm. you will have to do in solitude. By or yourself. you will have to do, you know, in, in, in a very tight-knitted space of people who truly, truly know you, who are truly vouching for you beyond the external success or failures that is being seen. And I think sure. also the importance of that is, you know, failure is a thing. Yeah. It's a reality. Yeah. It's going to happen. It is going to happen. Yeah. When, when, you, when you put your work out there, when yeah. you put yourself out there, it is possible that you just might fail. Yeah. And you need to make sure that you're surrounded by people who will actually take that yeah. um, and, 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 and hold it really delicately and not dangle it in your face sure. and laugh at you or, you know, use it to penalize you. Sure. That's so good. How do you deal with fear? I go inward. Okay, what does I that go look inward. like? Going inward looks like playing music that really hits me there in the core. Um, going inward looks like just digging into Survivor. Yeah. I can watch season after season because it's such a, I think it's such a beautiful microcosm of life. Mm. You get to see what people do when they're desperate. You get mm. to see what people do when they're joyful. You mm. see what people do when they feel powerful, when they feel weak, when they're scared. It's just beautiful. Um, and, 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 and you, and I watch it without any judgment. Um, I will, you know, speak to my parents. I will be surrounded by my loved ones. I will watch Oprah Winfrey, Maya Angelou, Muhammad Ali. Mm. I will watch every single person who, um, inspires me because I think they inspire me for a reason. I look for things or voices, um, or um, experiences that validate mm. why I believe I'm here, why I believe I'm worthy and why I believe what I have to offer matters. Mm. That's what going inward looks like. And, you know, switch off your social media and live. Yeah. You have no yeah. idea how beautiful oh, wow. it's, it's nice people's out there, yeah. lives are yeah. outside and of social simple. media. Absolutely. I just want a simple life and nothing makes you realize how simple a life you want yeah. than having a peek on the other side and saying, oh no, yeah. thank you very much. <laughs> Good. How do you define spirituality? I think spirituality is my constant awareness of what God is, or mm. of who God is. Constant awareness. Yeah, constant awareness of God. Yeah. It's ongoing. That's what spirituality is for me. I find it in trees. Mm. I find it when I look around. Um, I love animals. When yeah. I look at animal, when I watch Animal Planet, and I see elephants, and I see lions, and I just see the ecosystem and mm. all of that stuff. And I mm. see God. Um, I see it when I see the ocean. Yeah. Um, when I see kids play, 
even in death, um, actually, I still see yeah. God and spirituality at play. Yeah, my when I when I find myself in a place of, um, they call it writer's block, but I guess for me, creative block or I guess confusion um, and needing to go inward. I always go out in nature, yeah. and I look at the design of the trees, and I look at how every tree. Like in a tree, the leaves or the branches might look so similar, but when you pay attention, you realize that God's fingerprint is on it. Yeah. yeah. It's not an accident. It's not an accident. And then I see myself and I realize if God paid so much attention and detail in a tree, in in a rose, can I imagine the detail that's gone into me, into my life, into my purpose? Why would I run out of? And that's how I've managed to shift from a space of lack to operating in abundance because God is abundant. There's no shortage here. There's no fighting of who gets to thrive here. There's room in this space for everyone. Right, right. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, there's also grace, in I think, in God. Yeah. You know, when you sometimes when you just think it's, there's so much going on, you just go and you find that one thing that grounds you, that makes you feel more connected to God. And yeah. you're like... There's this just calming of the storm yeah. thing he's able to do that makes you go, sheesh, um, this is quite a thing. Yeah, quite a thing. <laughs> I think that's why I always ask people, okay, do you choose the ocean or the bush? It's not so much about the exciting outfit or aesthetic of it. It's because when you get out there and you look at the ocean, the ocean knows where to stop. No one's telling the ocean, hey, this is where you stop. Um the sat how can you imagine how do those huge waves know that this is my borderline right 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 you go into the wild and you see the whole ecosystem working together nobody's telling it how it should work it's just the creation of god and i think as just people and even i mean i'm still on the new year place as as we're getting frustrated and trying to come up with the goals i think it's just a good space to position ourselves that if god knows how to tell the ocean this is where you stop and right. how the ecosystem works then how much more with the detail of our lives have you seen the ocean at night from a cruise yeah and how scary yeah. that thing looks yeah. and there's something about seeing something that has power yeah yeah that's just so calm and it, it it feels like God. Yeah. You you look at it and you like you can actually like there was a time when I was on a cruise and I got a bit of a what are you doing, Liz? Because <laughs> you look outside and it's dark and this body just looks heavy and mm. sitting on whatever it's sitting on. Yeah. And it looks like it has the capacity to completely just swallow us, mm. but it but doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah. grace. What makes you happy? Who? What makes me happy? Um. Laughter. Okay. I love, it's one of my favorite things to do in the world. I don't do it as much as I should, yeah. but I, it makes me so joyful. Um, s- winning makes me happy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. um, winning win. is nice. Right. It's like, Let's win, guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So even when I get an order and I do a little dance, it yeah. still happens today when I get yeah. just one order and yeah, I do a little like... dance. And then my boyfriend will ask, did someone order? <laughs> she was like, you know, me. Like, you're too happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that makes me happy. You know, spending time with loved ones makes me happy. Comedy yeah. makes me happy. Yeah. Um, and what? Oh, good food. Good food. Good food makes okay. me happy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go into my wall of wisdom now. Um, it's my last few questions because Bonolo is just standing there. My last few questions. Number one, wall of wisdom, one podcast or book that has, 
No, actually three podcasts. Are you a reader? I am a reader. Okay, three podcasts or three books that have changed your life or you can mix it I up. I can mix them. Um, Maya Angelou's Letter to My, uh, to, to my Daughters. Letter to My changed Daughters. My, yeah, it changed okay. my life. Um, oh, there's a, um, a podcast. Brene Brown, man. Yeah. She is just beautiful. Um, whoo-wee. I will say Never Turn Back. Um, is one of the books that changed my life. I forgot the author's name. Mm-hmm. Um, but can I just talk about Maya Angelou, why that book changed my life for a little? I was um, just, um, I just graduated. Yeah. And um, I had missed my flight um, at the airport from um, Johannesburg to Durban. Mm. And I was just finishing reading this book. And at the end of the book was um, a little um, essay um, she wrote that says, a, commence- a commencement address, mm-hmm. which was, Addressed to graduates. Mm. This is me coming from my graduation. And this has become sort of like one of my life statements. And one of the things she said was, look beyond your tasseled caps Mm -hmm. and you will see injustice. Sure. Sure. At the end of your fingertips, you will see cruelty, bedrock sorrow, bigotry, and terrifying loneliness. Mm. There is your work. I cried at the airport yeah. because it was the time where even when I was new in my job, mm. I'd never stopped questioning my purpose. Am I in the right place? Mm. And am I, I knew, doing enough? Yeah. yeah. And am I, I doing knew enough? at the time yeah. that this cannot be it. And yeah. I just felt like it was God in that moment saying, look beyond your tasseled cap. Yeah. Right. Sure. So that's why, that's why it was so meaningful to me. Sure. That's so powerful. And then give me a quote or a word verse that you live by. I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I am the dream and the hope of that the slave. That is Maya Angelou okay. from I Rise. Okay. I, it, I've got it on my bio, mm-hmm. social media bio. I've had it for years. Mm. When I read that and it said, I am the dream and, and the, the hope, hope of the slave. Sure. And, you know, slave um, can be many things. So many things, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, I live by that. Sure. And then in closing, you're going to finish the sentence. And you're not allowed to use Maya Angelou. <laughs> But you're allowed, I know you're allowed to, you're allowed to. A wise woman once said. I'm going to need a moment for this. Take your time. Um, I know it's something Oprah said. Definitely. Um. A wise woman once said, when you don't know what to do, be still. Mm. Be still Mm -hmm. and know that I am God. Ma'am, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. When you don't know what to do, be still still and know that I am God. Yeah. And um, you asked for one thing, but there's another thing that Oprah also said. And she said... This was what she said about radical acceptance. And one of the things that always keep me afloat in anything, Mm. when I feel like, yo, right, I'm off my exes, she said, I accept this moment for exactly what it is. Yeah. That's and true freedom. That for me is absolutely, absolutely true. When I when I, when I'm going through it, and I I always ask myself, mm. what do I know to be true? Ah, that is the truth. Ah, Marianne Williamson says um, a miracle is a shift in perspective. Right, that's a miracle, a shift in perspective, and 
it just reminded me of that, as you said, a radical, he said a radical acceptance, a radical acceptance is I accept the, this moment for, ex- for exactly as it is. And I think as, as humans, as, as people, the greater suffering is not always necessary, necessary, necessarily what's happening around us, but it's our inability to accept because now you're not, not only fighting what's happening, you're fighting inside. You're fighting everything that it's you're fighting with you now. The, the biggest fight is here. It's inside. It yeah. is every single time yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see people who deal with worse, and I don't like saying worse because it it, try, it minimizes struggles, but slavery. I mean, mm-hmm. I went to when we went to Zanzibar and we went into the um, the museum and we saw the old buildings and they told us the stories of a a small room of how they put people then how they died there because of lack of oxygen and i think to myself how did the ones who survive find the will to survive in that and when you think of that it's that acceptance thing it's this is where i am right now the yagging say it is what it is it is what it is so yeah thank you for coming thank you for sharing your truth i hope you continue to to make a difference and i hope you continue to feel because i think that is your greatest power it's the fact that you feel you feel another person's pain you feel another person's joy and that in itself allows us to make a difference and to allows us to to live in our purpose and to live joyfully in our purpose knowing that we are serving and thank you so much for telling our story so beautifully so gracefully and with so much love and purpose yeah yeah thank you bye bye <laughs>